Hey everybody, welcome to Fight Talk. This is Steven Jensen. Today's episode of Fight Talk is going to be my UFC 211 preview. I'll be talking to Ryan Ford, who is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt out of Atlanta, Georgia. Great guy who's about to actually go on a trip to Sao Paulo, Brazil very shortly. So cool to have Ryan on the show. But first, before we get started... I want to tell everyone about Williamson Brothers Barbecue because they are a new sponsor to the show, but a family and friends that, that I've known for a long time, uh, since we were kids. And I have Sawyer Williamson with me today, who's a big part of Williamson Brothers Barbecue. And I kid you not, this isn't because they're a part of the show. This is, this is the honest truth. I've been eating their barbecue sauce and their barbecue, their products, since I was a kid. And it's awesome to have Sawyer being a part of this now because I, I like I like getting involved with people that I know, that I trust, and the Williamson family's always been great to the Jensen family. So uh, Sawyer, please tell the great people, the great listeners of the Fight Talk podcast a little bit about Williamson Brothers Barbecue. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Um, good to be talking to you. Very excited for your podcast. I uh, won't say that I'm an avid listener yet, but I've just become aware and I'm uh, starting to get catch the wave, as Kanye would say it. Um, so in terms of our, uh, barbecue sauce, we distributed at about 2000 grocery stores throughout the Southeast. And I think that that is the product that we sell, my family's business that has, uh, the largest distribution area. So it it has the potential to reach as uh, much of your listeners as possible, but really what it is in short is it's a bottled barbecue sauce line. It's available in Walmart, Publix, Kroger, Whole Foods, um, Ingles and Food Lion, which are some of our major grocer partners. Um, and really, the, the, the big selling feature, what we tell people when we're trying to educate them about their sauces, the ingredients we use. Um, so we're big on fresh and wholesome ingredients, as opposed to a lot of the other national people that you see on shelf. Um, I won't name any names, but if you see any large national companies and you flip over the bottle and check out the ingredient line, a lot of them use modified food starches or artificial ingredients. Um, we pride ourselves on using wholesome and fresh ingredients. For example, we use jumbo yellow onions the same way you buy them at the grocery store. We peel and hand chop about 2,500 pounds per week. That's about a pallet. Um, we also use wet minced garlic, whole black peppercorn. And kind of what we always um, have people do is flip the sauce on its side, and you can see all the particulate that's in our sauce versus, you know, you can think back to the um, cafeteria days at, like, high school, for instance, and it's it's kind of weird to me in, in making sauce for all, year, all these years how they get that goopy consistency. Um, a lot of the majors, they all have about the same consistency. It's that goopy consistency, and that to me just speaks to the fact that, you know, it's, it's more of a chemically produced thing in my mind and I'm not so much of an expert on their process I don't really know how it's produced but when I go to make something in my own kitchen um, our sauce turns out to be a lot more like what you can replicate and it's really we consider it less of a, a barbecue sauce and to us it's more of a tomato vinaigrette it's great in all cuisines um, we sell through to restaurants that use it for oriental cooking or European cooking or Latino cooking so it can really be used in any dish any recipe um, you know at my house we always use it on eggs we use it on potatoes we use it on french fries but of course where it's used the best is on meats so uh, that's kind of intro to our product as far as physical locations go uh, Williams Brothers has three locations Sawyer would you like to tell the people uh, where they can find you if they're in like the Atlanta area absolutely yeah so in, in addition to the barbecue sauces and grocery stores um, we also do have three full-service restaurants that are in the cities. Um, 
near Atlanta, Marietta, Ken, and Douglasville are the three cities where we have a restaurant. And kind of where we go from all of our sauces were born in our kitchens. And, um, you know, people always want to classify you as a, as a barbecue, barbecue company. Um, so we have the, what's unique about our restaurants is all of them have an open pit. So we smoke most of our meats out on an open pit in the dining rooms. Um, so everybody can kind of see the, their meat through the entire cooking process. And what we specialize in is the pork butt, um, beef brisket, and uh, smoked chicken. But, yeah, I encourage anyone that's listening to the show to check us out when they're in town. Hit us up. You know, I think it's it's great. It's a, a great barbecue fair. Um, and we actually just won, kind of going back to the sauces, but the sauces are kind of the mainstay of the restaurants. Uh, we just won the number one uh, barbecue sauce in two independent uh, national barbecue sauce competitions. So I think that that really speaks to, you know, everything that we're about from a freshness standpoint. Yeah, and there's the proof. If anyone needed any more proof, they're literally ranked the best sauce in specific categories. I mean, how, it doesn't get any bigger than that. And Sawyer, uh, before I forget to ask or before I let you go, where else can they find you, like, as far as online? Uh, we're on williamsonbros.com is our main website. So if you're looking for our location, our hours, or you want to buy sauce off of our e-commerce site, you can go there. We're also on walmart.com, so you can search for us on walmart.com by just typing in Williamson Bros Barbecue. And then also, too, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the tag Williamson Bros. So if you type that in the search bar, any of those three social media sites, you'll see us. Um, we're TripAdvisor, Google Plus. So check us out. Come come see us, review us. Um, you know, we're a small business. We're family-owned. It's my dad my uncle that are actually the Williamson Brothers. Um, I work in conjunction with several of my family members and you know we, we, we really like to keep it local we buy local whenever possible and it's really going to support a local small family-owned business whenever you whenever you help us out or buy our products so once again everybody check out williamson brothers barbecue i can't say enough good things about it sawyer thanks so much man for being a part of the show i'm really looking forward to our partnership man steve keep on keep it on brother i, I love the show and i'll be definitely tuning in more often appreciate that thanks man all right, and from one friend of the podcast to the next, I want to thank my friends at Heroes and Legends. You guys have heard me talk about them before. Best place you can go to get action figures. They got vintage magazines. They got programs. They got DVDs, autograph memorabilia, a ton of unique pro wrestling memorabilia. They're awesome. They've been in business for 15 years, guys, established in 2002. Great stuff, great people. Make sure you're following them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HL Pro Wrestling. And also make sure you're catching them at the following dates and shows. Freedom Pro Wrestling, Nashville, Tennessee, May the 13th. That's this upcoming Saturday. I'll be there live in the house with them as well for that. Also at the Mid-Atlantic Wrestle Expo in Richmond, Virginia, May the 20th. Make sure to catch the people at Heroes and Legends up there in Richmond, Virginia on May the 20th. Also at the Fanboy Expo in Knoxville, Tennessee on June the 23rd through 25th. And then once again on July the 1st and August the 19th in Nashville, Tennessee, Freedom Pro Wrestling. I'll be there at both of those shows too. So make sure you say hey to me at those shows. Make sure you say hey to the people at Heroes and Legends. Those guys are awesome. Thank you for being a part of the show, guys. And one more person I definitely want to thank before I get into this awesome conversation with Ryan Ford. My brother Brian Jensen at Delgado Boxing. Please give him a call. This show's all about relationships. It shows all about partnerships and people helping other people. You heard me talking to Sawyer just then. You heard me talking about my friends at Heroes and Legends. 
you're going to hear me talk to my friend Ryan Ford uh, here in the show, but let me tell you a little bit about my brother, Brian Jensen. He's a USA Boxing and NSAM certified trainer. He's at Delgado Boxing in Sandy Springs, Georgia. Make sure you give him a call at 404-316-4516 or email him directly at brian at delgadoboxing.net. That's spelled B-R-Y-A-N at delgadoboxing.net. If you want to learn how to throw hands, you want to get in better shape, you want to learn some self-defense, or maybe you got some existing skills you just need some polishing on, give Brian a call. He'll do all that for you and more. Follow him on Instagram too. He just changed his handle. Let me make sure I keep you guys up to date on that. I got it right here. His new Instagram handle is bjensenboxing. Very easy. B-J-E-N-S-E-N-B-O-X-I-N-G. Get a knockout workout without getting knocked out with Brian Jensen at Delgado Boxing. And with that, check it out. We got a little theme music courtesy of another friend, Jonathan Bodie. Welcome, everybody, to the Fight Talk Podcast. All right, everyone. So like I was mentioned at the top of the show, I'm here today with Ryan Ford. Uh, Ryan Ford is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt, and he's also the host of the Grappling Central podcast. And just a short backstory of kind of how me and Ryan uh, got to know each other and how this podcast is possible. A mutual friend of ours, Joey Weigel, who I honestly I hadn't, ta- I hadn't talked to in years aside from just a little bit of here and there, a little UFC talk on the internet kind of stuff. And he, he's just a real good dude. As as people always find out when you, especially like a high level jujitsu guy, like there's not. I love talking to jujitsu guys, and the main reason being they're humble, like they're they're polite, and they have like very very low ego because of the discipline it takes just to do jujitsu in general and to get to a high level. I really respect. Joey came out of the complete blue and was like, "Hey, I've got a buddy named Ryan Ford. He does a really cool podcast. He might be able to give you some pointers." Ryan, being the good guy that he is, never speaking to me, never knowing me, reaches out, gives me some tips, uh, some of which I use, honestly, every time I do a podcast. I think a little bit about some of our conversations and little things I want to change here and there. And um, So just for those listening, um, I do owe a, a debt of gratitude to Ryan just for the help when I really didn't even know what to do uh, when starting this thing. Uh, so Ryan, it's great to have you on the show, man. Uh, thank you for joining and uh, say hello to the fans, man. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Steven, thanks for having me on the show, buddy, and I, I really appreciate your uh, your kind words there. I, uh, any, any friend of Joey Weigel's is a friend of mine. Joey's my best friend, so uh, when he told me that you were doing something uh, something on your own, uh, I, I know what it's like to start a podcast and to sort of be lost in the beginning, and, uh, you know, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of moving parts, but you've certainly figured it out pretty quickly, man, so it's, it's cool to see uh, where you've taken it since, since we first spoke. Man, it's much appreciated, Ryan. And I mean, this is—it's just such a small world, man. I mean, like I meet you through Joey, and you randomly meet my brother, who is a boxing instructor out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so, so my brother Brian Jensen—he uh, was up here in Nashville just a couple weeks ago, and he was like, he's like, hey, man, uh, do you know uh, Ryan Ford or Joey Weigel? I was like, yeah. Like, I'm like, why are you asking? He's like, man, I just ran into those guys, and, like, they were like, yeah, I do jiu-jitsu, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, and I figured, like, maybe they were, like, some small gym, like, maybe they just, like, white belt, something, he's like, oh, yeah, no, Joey's a black belt, and Ryan's a, a purple belt, like, they're 
fucking badass. Like I, those guys were awesome. You know, and so so it was just it was just so funny how that happened. And uh, and I was like, no. And I kind of told Brian like the story of what I just told the fans just now, kind of how we met and how I knew Joey uh, back in high school before I. Th- I don't think he was uh, even involved in grappling back when I knew him. But he was always that guy who he was like that that quiet kid that like he knew he could beat your ass. Like you, he didn't have to say it. And and when he got into jujitsu, I was like, this is perfect for this guy. And he stuck with it. And to find out he's a black belt now is like, that's really cool. Because it must have been 10 years of hard work or so to get to that point. Uh, so, man, uh, just it's just funny. It's just a small world. Yeah, your brother, your brother, I remember your brother. He's a very nice guy, man. And, uh, and yeah, Joey, Joey's definitely uh, a lot more badass than I am. Uh, he's, he, like you said, he's a black belt. And he, uh, he wipes the floor with me when we roll. But, uh, but yeah, we started training together back. I started in 2005, and I think Joey started right around then. Um, and uh, and we ended up traveling a lot together, going to tournaments. There's there's only a small handful of people that competed at the academy that met that him and I trained. He still he still trains there. In fact, he teaches there now. Uh, and I since moved on to uh, to a different to a different gym. But um, but there was only a small handful of guys that used to compete frequently. Uh, and and me and Joey were part of that group. So we used to travel to like. Virginia and Florida and South and North Carolina. We'd go all over, like Tennessee, and uh, and we would hit up tournaments and stuff. So we have lots of hilarious road stories. And yeah, Joey's Joey's. I jokingly call him my call him my road dog because we used to we used to literally hit the road and hit these big tournaments and stuff. And uh, it, was, it was just great times, man. So that's that's cool that you know Joey. Awesome, man. Awesome. And we can do a, a whole podcast on that. I'm sure. Actually, you should at some point just road stories of two dudes who go out and, and do jujitsu. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, I know that Joey's got a, uh, a big, uh, I don't, do you call it a, is it, I've heard people call themselves like jujitsu players or grapplers, or there's a bunch of different names. Uh, I guess yeah, a, 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 a match, he's got, he's got a match coming up on the 10th, I believe of June. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. There. I think the, the, the call is delaying a little bit. I'm not trying to talk over you there. Um, yeah, Joey. Joey uh, has a super fight coming up with uh, with a really, really tough black belt out of Alliance, uh, which is the gym that I actually uh, left our initial gym to uh, to train with. And this guy's uh, he's a black belt out of um, out of South Carolina. And uh, during my time at Alliance, I'm actually at Hensel Gracie Atlanta now. But um, but during my time at Alliance, this guy's really good. So it's going to be a great match because I know how good Joey is, and I also know how good this guy is. And, uh, and yeah, both of them are going to put on a really good show. In fact, I think you're going to be able to watch it for um, you'll be able to watch it live on Flow Grappling actually because they uh, they cover all the fight to win events. Uh, so yeah, he's got a big one coming up. Unfortunately, uh, I won't be here for it, but uh, but I'll definitely be watching online. Very cool. And that the Flow Grappling is a great thing, man. They've got like they got that for pro wrestling now. They got that for um, all types of uh, different disciplines, and, and it's it's super affordable too. So I definitely encourage any any fans of martial arts of of any kind uh, to check out the stuff they're doing over there at Flow. Um, I'm actually gonna try to make it back for that, man. I think I might I might try to be back in Atlanta just to see kind of up close and personal 
some really high level, uh, you know, grappling jujitsu. Because uh, I'm, I'm really, you know, as the people listening to this show know, I'm, I'm, you know, you can say whatever you want on this show. It's explicit. I'm balls deep in pro wrestling and MMA, but I, but I, but I very rarely get out to see high level grappling. I, w- I was a, a wrestler for four years in high school, so I appreciate it. But, but I've never seen something like what, what Joey's involved in um, up close. So. Um, that being said, you know, shout out to Joey Weigel uh, here at the Fight Talk Podcast. And uh, what we're going to do right now, Ryan, if you're cool with that, we're going to get right into uh, some fights from UFC 211 this upcoming Saturday. Yeah, let's do it, man. Awesome. Awesome. Good deal. Well, the first fight we got here, we're going to talk about Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. This fight, I think, is a great matchup between two guys who match up pretty, pretty equally stylistically. Um, I was kind of surprised to see the Vegas odds leaning towards Poirier. They actually have him as the slight favorite right now. Um, Ryan, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Because we just saw Alvarez uh, lose his belt. Yeah, that's probably that probably has a lot to do with why the odds are against him. I think he's just coming off a, a pretty tough loss. Uh, but man, this is going to be a great fight. I always enjoy an Eddie Alvarez fight, uh, and I've been a big fan of Poirier since uh, since he, since before he hit the big leagues. Actually, ever since I saw him in the uh, Fight Bill documentary. Uh, so I'd like to see Dustin do well. I followed his uh, his career pretty cro- uh, pretty uh, closely. Uh, you know, he said publicly about this fight that he feels a win over Alvarez will put him in place for a title shot. And I have to agree, man. If he wins, he's going to be six and one in the light division with a win over the former champ uh so this is a pretty important fight for dustin yeah, absolutely, and and I like Dustin. What he's been doing a lightweight, like I, he's a good example. And I, I know you see this in your world of uh, grappling as well. Like I'm a real, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm not a fan at all anymore of just like the weight cuts in general anymore. Like I just think we're at a point where. I understand the need for weight classes, but I just think there there could be a better way of figuring this out. And Dustin Poirier is a prime example of somebody who is cutting significantly less weight to fight at lightweight versus when he was fighting at featherweight, and he looks like 10 times better out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of guys that for a long time, like we saw Anthony Rumble Johnson, is I think the best example of oh, anyone, yeah. that would just drop weight that was ridiculous and he would end up being just a monster among uh, among uh, the guys in his division I like what they're doing now where they're trying to keep guys a little closer to their natural weight uh, I think it's a better way to go it's going to be healthier for guys in the long run uh, so yeah I completely agree with you on that um, you know Eddie Alvarez uh, he's obviously a devastating, devastating striker he's, he's got incredible stopping power uh, he was also a great wrestler you know he wrestled as a uh, national prep all-american uh, Poirier is no slouch on the ground though man he's, he's displayed a pretty decent guard in the past and uh, he has a nice darts choke that he likes to have that he likes to uh, to set up uh, but I'm, I'm thinking he's probably going to try to avoid getting stuck up under Alvarez uh, he especially needs to be careful when moving backwards towards the cage because that's when Eddie's uh, that's one of Eddie's strike zones where he rushes in and has successive takedowns uh, we saw him do it against Anthony Pettis uh, in the center of the octagon he likes to t- he like, the takedown he likes to look for is the, uh, the single leg uh, and he's got a pretty decent takedown accuracy with that uh, so these are going to be things that Eddie's grappling arsenal that, that Poirier is going to want to look out for uh, as far as striking I'd say that uh, obviously Eddie packs dynamite in his hands and he's also got a vicious spinning back elbow that we've seen him do over and over again he's very accurate with it um, I think Dustin's going to really need to stay sharp use plenty of head movement try not to stay linear uh, and he has a vicious right hand so if Dustin can uh, circle away from that and use plenty of leg kicks to slow Eddie down that would be a good tactic uh, but it's, man, it's definitely going to be an exciting fight between two really really uh, game lightweights 
Do you want to uh, do predictions on these? Do you want to pick a winner? For this fight, um, man, it's a t- it's tough to say, man. These, they, MMA is such a, a crazy animal. Like even when you look at all the uh, the stats and the data that's out there, you can still be completely wrong. So I'll say that if um, if Alvarez wins it, it's going to be via TKO with ground and pound. I think I think he's going to try to score a takedown against the cage. He's th- I think he's going to try to get Dustin moving backwards and um, and, and use that as, as his opportunity to get it down to the ground against the cage. Uh, I think he's going to try to pin him there and wear him out from that from that particular position. For Poirier, I think that uh, Poirier is, he's going to have to just be smart with his movement. He's going to have to be smart with his angles. Uh, he's going to have to score where he can. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to have to take Alvarez for this one. And you know what? You echoed my exact thoughts. Like I could not said that could have said that any better. I can't even say what I'm trying to say right now. I couldn't have said that any better myself. Um, Eddie Alvarez, I think, does have the advantage. Uh, just like you said, as far as the grappling game is concerned, if he can get Poirier under him, I think he can uh, he can grind out uh, maybe a decision or some some sort of ground and pound uh, victory, like you just mentioned. I like Poirier a lot too. I love that uh, that Fightville documentary. Also, uh, you know, he's a great dude. He's a very likable guy. I I just I do see Alvarez winning this one, but this is one of those where it would not surprise surprised me at all to see uh, Poirier catch him with something with something really clean. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And then uh, moving on, man, this is uh, getting into the main card of the show. Uh, we were supposed to have Henry Cejudo versus Sergio Pettis in what would have been a really interesting flyweight matchup, uh, but it looks like uh, Cejudo has injured his hand, I believe, and Pettis will not be getting rebooked from what I understand. So we now have uh, Christoph Yako versus Dave Branch. Uh, Dave Branch is re-entering the UFC. He was there probably about eight, eight or so years ago, um, and he's a great fighter. Like he was kind of hot and cold. He only has three losses in his career, but kind of all at around the same time went off to the WSOF and won two different championships and two different weight classes over there. Uh, so I've got Branch winning this one in this matchup, but you know, good for these guys for getting the exposure on pay per view. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Ryan? You know, I'll be honest, man. David Branch, I definitely know who he is, uh, but he's someone that's kind of been under the radar for me, man. I haven't paid a whole lot of attention, uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him fight, and I'm glad that he's back in the UFC. So now I'll be able to uh, hopefully catch more of his fights uh, next time. Give you a better answer than that. <laughs> oh, dude. Hey, no worries. You're. I mean, and and to be honest, most of the people listening to this show right now probably have not seen either of these guys fight. So that's actually kind of cool, though, because you know. This is why they do these kind of things where, you know, as if you're going for, like, fight quality, you would slide Eddie Alvarez versus Dustin Poirier up into this spot. But marketing-wise, I understand. You you can get a lot of eyes on Alvarez and Poirier on FX before the pay-per-view, and you give this whole new set of eyes to Dave Branch and Yotko because – People might not have even wa- even watched their fights on the on the prelims, possibly. So, uh, you know, everybody kind of wins, aside from Henry Cejudo, Sergio Pettis, and the fans in this one. But um, it just is what it is. Yeah, you know, one, one issue, one, one of the things that's been happening to me over time as a uh, as a UFC fan, um, it's not because I'm not going to say an MMA fan because it's not all MMA organizations that are having the same uh, effect. Uh, an issue that I've had with the UFC in the last several years is that it's almost become a revolving door of guys coming in and out constantly. You know, back 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 in the day, you'd, you'd watch guys fight. The guys that have, like, a 
you know, eight to nine fight contract. I mean, they, they, they have a bunch of fights. And now it's like, man, you see a guy come in, he loses, he's gone, you never see him again. Uh, it seems like it seems like it's uh, getting harder and harder to keep up with particular guys unless they're just real standout dudes that end up, uh, you know, hanging out for a while. So that's kind of one, one struggle I've had. Uh, especially since I've been so busy with the podcast and paying a lot of attention to grappling due to what I mostly report on. Uh, uh, it's been tough, man, just because there's these guys that, aren't, uh, that don't seem to have as long their contracts as they used to, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of that has to do with the amount of shows they run now because back in the day we had you know the occasional pay-per-view uh, then we got into some stuff on TV, but now with this Fox deal, they're putting on so many shows that they're hiring so many fighters, but their contracts are shorter-term contracts. But one, one other thing worth mentioning, and you know this because you, I mean, you know guys in the UFC as well, you know, the, the whole free agency thing now too plays a factor with some of these guys because now they kind of have some options, like with Bellator and some outside organizations to make real money and, you know, get their sponsorships back, which they may have lost during the Reebok deal with the UFC. Uh, so it is, it is this really kind of different, odd time, just in MMA in general, because we're going to be seeing a lot of these fighters when, you know, they, they used to have maybe like a, like a six fight contract, let's say they would always resign before the end of the contract, because why would you ever want to leave the UFC? But now they're they're working through their the end of their contracts, negotiating with multiple organizations and going wherever they can they feel like is going to be best for their career. Uh, so that that and that's a very new thing uh, for the world of MMA, seeing the the growth. And and one thing that I think is going to be really interesting, Ryan, is in a couple of years from now when this Fox deal is up, um, because I, I I feel like the UFC is going to get some sort of NBA type, uh, you know, television contract this next go around, and it's going to change a lot of things because the fighters are going to want way more money than they're making now. Uh, so I I don't really know where it's all headed, and I'm guessing kind of kind of rambling at this point, but um, yeah, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of coming and going in the future. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. You know, it's, it's funny. I just had uh, just had Randy Couture on, on the podcast uh, a couple months ago, and one thing he was talking about that he would really like to see from here out is, first of all, he's part of the, uh, the fighters union. He's, he's he's part of the organization. There's two organizations that have fighters unions, um, and he's part of one of them. And one of the things that he was saying is that he would really like to see a revision of the Muhammad Ali Act to include MMA, so that promoters can't have basically lockdowns on fighters, like basically a would be uh, like you said, a free agent, and he'd be able to uh, to accept bids by different promotions who have this giant pool of free agents that exist. So, for example, if a guy who's like the champion in the UFC uh, wants to go against uh, the champion, let's say the promoter wants to put a champion from the UFC against one of the champions of Bellator, uh, that that could happen. It would be more like how boxing is set up, as opposed to where these guys have to partic- uh, compete for a specific promotion in MMA. And I think that's going to really open things up. And it's too bad it wasn't that way before, because you know that's the, that's the that's that's the reason that we never saw things like Couture versus Fedor, or uh, or we saw never saw uh, Chuck Liddell versus Vanderlei until they until they were both pretty far past their prime uh so you know i think that that's gonna be a really exciting thing that hopefully will happen you know yeah absolutely very very good points and i've been following that couture thing as a matter of fact i'm gonna throw this out there randy couture blocked me on twitter i can't it was a while back i don't i have no idea why like i've always i've always loved randy couture um 
Yeah, it's terrible. Him and uh, Rampage Jackson. Rampage Jackson, believe this, believe it or not. I've never said this on my podcast, I don't think. Rampage Jackson blocked me after I gave him a compliment. Like, I think he just took it the wrong way. But I, I, had, I had mentioned that he was in this weird situation. This was years ago where he was um, – he was still contracted to Bellator, but like through this loophole because they hadn't booked him in a certain amount of time, he accepted a fight with the UFC. So he was promoted to be on a UFC pay-per-view. Bellator got him pulled off the show. And during this time, I tweeted out, that's too bad. The only reason I was going to buy this pay-per-view is to watch Rampage Jackson. Now I'm probably not going to order the pay-per-view. Rampage somehow clears this up in the meantime and he gets put back on the pay-per-view like he gets back onto this UFC pay-per-view and blocks me on Twitter I, I'm like I was saying the only reason I would have ordered it is to watch you I'm, a, I'm your I'm your fan what is this yeah so I'm like and, and, I've, nev- and I've never been able to like reach out again because I'm blocked and I can't I can't say anything to him so if, if I'm for sure I got blocked, man. It's a bummer. Like, like you, uh, like if I if I type in like their Twitter handle, it'll it's a it's a drop down that just flat out tells you that you've you've been blocked like specifically oh, by yeah, man. yeah. The the only thing I can think of with Randy Couture is I was not that I was outspoken about it, but maybe maybe I put something out. And what's even more ironic is my he doesn't know this, but my uncle uh, rides Harley's on like very often with Randy Couture up in Las Vegas. Like, so my uncle actually knows Randy Couture and I've never told my uncle like, Hey, this guy blocked me on Twitter. Like put in a good word for me. Cause that's just, that's just a little weird. But he, uh, he, he's like, all, all I can think of, I, I did not like the way that he left the UFC and signed with Viacom at the time. And it was mainly because I, I thought they rolled out the red carpet for him at the UFC. You know, like, I, I they gave him, like, this awesome commentary job, and they gave him one of those, like, jobs for life that they gave guys like, you know, uh, Chuck Liddell and Matt Hughes and stuff. And then he, he went off to, to sign with Viacom, which, of course, owns Bellator. And the thing, it all just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, especially when he left to try to fight Fedor, kind of just like what you were mentioning uh, just a minute ago. So uh, maybe that was it. I don't know. But regardless, the only reason I'm saying this, if Randy Couture or Rampage Jackson ever somehow come across this episode of the Fight Talk Podcast. I'm a fan of both of you. I love both of you. I respect both of you. Please unblock me from Twitter. <laughs> I don't know Rampage at all, but I'll try to put a good, a good word in for you with, uh, with Randy. I don't, I don't talk to Randy much, but uh, I had him on the show, so maybe I, maybe I can shoot him a text and tell him, tell him you're good people. <laughs> oh, well, I'd appreciate that, Ryan. I don't get blocked for backing <laughs> He's like, oh, that fucking guy. Oh, man. Okay, well, moving on. That, that's just, that's all. <laughs> That's all hilarious. Um, the next fight we've got, this is actually the fight that I'm looking forward to most of the entire show. And this is honestly probably the fight that I'm looking forward to most of any announced fight uh, between now and any of the cards coming up. I love this matchup between Frankie Edgar and Yair Rodriguez because it's it's this great matchup between this young up-and-coming Rodriguez who's just been destroying guys and he just... I mean, he should have never been in the same octagon as BJ Penn, like, at that point in his career, just being completely honest. Like, that was just just way too one-sided. And Frankie Edgar, who seems to have kind of the fountain of youth and is still right there on the cusp of a title shot at all times. And we got this guy, Frankie, who's, you know, 
he's not going to have any kind of size or reach advantage, but he never really has in his career. And Yair's got all these crazy techniques that he uses, his stand-up, his age. He's so young. He's diverse. I love this matchup. Um, Ryan, give me your thoughts on this one, man, because I'm pumped for it. Yeah, I, actually, I'm right there with you, man. I, I love both these guys, uh, especially Frankie. I'm always, I'm always going to be sort of biased towards the grappler, but uh, but Yair's got some decent jujitsu too, man. He's he's, he's he's no slouch on the ground. Uh, but yeah, Yair has uh, definitely has the reach advantage, like you said, and that's usually the case when Frankie's fighting. Uh, I think Yair is definitely going to try to use that to his advantage. He knows that Frankie wants to either get in range for a takedown or get in tight to work his boxing. Uh, both of those would would you know require him. To get uh, get in tight through um, Yair's range and work on the inside, but man, Yair's like a sniper, man. He, he just he stays on the outside. He manages his range very well. Uh, he picks his shots and he keeps guys feeling unsettled with his really unpredictable kicks. Uh, you know, he has that taekwondo background, and that becomes immediately obvious when you watch him fight. And uh, it's it's cool with watching Yair fight because that's a style that a lot of guys don't train for. Uh, and it's causing Yair to have a lot of success. You know, he's very unpredictable and he hides his cards very well. Even when he throws like one of those quasi capoeira looking front flip kicks, he does it in a way that just gives zero indication that he's about to exert himself to throw something really wild like that. Uh, I, I think the success that he's having with his Taekwondo is another great example of what happens when the general population rides stylistic waves in MMA for a long time. Uh, for example, the long, for the longest time, karate was almost forgotten about in MMA. Uh, the sport had moved on since the early 90s in the style versus style days, and everyone was on the jiu-jitsu, wrestling, boxing, Muay Thai train for the longest time. And then this guy named Leona Machida shows up and cleans house by using these angles and striking styles that people almost completely ignored. Uh, we've seen karate reinforced now by Wonderboy Thompson, so that's another good example. Uh, but I think Yair is going to be the one that kind of spearheads the, uh, the attention to Taekwondo again. I think that he's using it really well, and uh, it's definitely something the guys are going to have to implement into their camps uh, in order to deal with him and people like him. Uh, now, with that being said, what's going to be interesting in this fight is that Frankie... Uh, has this ridiculous ability to catch kicks. Uh, we see him do it all the time. Uh, he's, 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 uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he can, if he can, uh, if Frankie can make him feel that same insecurity and hesitation that Yair often puts on everyone else by catching his kicks and not letting him feel comfortable using his main tools. You know. Oh yeah, dude. I couldn't agree more. Um, and it's cool that you mentioned, you know, Rodriguez and Thompson kind of in the same breath because they're the only two guys that I, I really see that have comparable styles to each other because it really is kind of what I call like that next level video game style where like these guys are going out there and like actually doing like 360 front kicks and stuff like it's nothing. I mean, and, and it's stuff that I just never thought I would ever see in a real fight and even if I did like I hear I hear Joe Rogan talk about this all the time on his show he'll talk about the fact that like he he was a, a black belt one of the best in the world in taekwondo when he was growing up but a lot of that stuff just doesn't work in a real fight sometimes when you when you incorporate the grappler against you you know like you you can throw these awesome kicks but if somebody can can grab your legs and take you down they're they're pretty worthless whereas someone like Yair Rodriguez or Stephen Wonderboy Thompson are actually implementing these techniques successfully in the UFC at the highest level um so that all being said as well Rodriguez is super young so regardless of what happens in this fight there's nothing but but a bright future for him um as far as the predictions concerned I can't bet against Frankie Edgar in this one um it's 
it, it's I, I see every reason in the world to go with Yair, but I I think that Frankie's grappling so similar to kind of that we were talking about with Alvarez versus Poirier. I I think that Frankie's grappling, his heart. Uh, that's one thing that can't be understated. He has the biggest heart of any fighter I may have ever seen, and we've seen him you know come back from from serious adversity against guys like uh, Gray Maynard, for instance, in their fights. I mean, so. I've got to go with Frankie Edgar in this one. Uh, Ryan, you got a prediction for this? Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's personally, I, I see it going the distance. Uh, I think whoever wins, it's going to be, be a decision. Uh, you know, also, it's, it's like you said, Frankie's, Frankie's never been put away in a fight. Uh, you, you really can never count him out. He's, he's, he's never been knocked out. Uh, he hasn't been submitted yet. Uh, he's been around for a while, so it's, it's, he's an incredibly durable guy. Uh, like you said, we've seen him come back from some serious adversity. Uh, if Yair wins it, I see it happening uh, by doing what he does best. I think he's going to maintain range and accumulate kicks, uh, especially to the legs of Frankie. Uh, checking and avoiding leg kicks is an area that we've seen Frankie struggle with just a little bit, and I'm betting that Yair knows that uh, going in and plans to take advantage of it. Uh, by increasing the volume of the kicks to the legs, he may also minimize the risk of, uh, of kicks getting caught. So, um, you know, you know, obviously it's, it's much easier to kick a, to catch a kick that's coming up towards your midsection than it is to reach down uh, towards a leg kick. Although, uh, he's still going to have to be careful because Frankie does have two takedowns that he really likes to set up well uh, off of leg kicks. Um, the first one is his signature knee-tap takedown. Do you, know, do you know which one I'm referring to? Please explain. Yeah, so it's, it's the one where he reaches with one hand to scoop the near leg like he's, uh, like he's going to go for a single, and then he simultaneously plants his hand on the other, uh, on, on the chest or the collarbone area with a stiff arm. Oh, so yep, gotcha. Hips, yeah, so the, hips, so the guy's hips are basically getting pulled towards, towards him uh, because of the leg. Uh, being hooked, you know, but his upper body is getting pushed backwards because of the stiff arm. And, and Frankie also has a variation of that where instead of posting with the hand on the collarbone or on the chest, he throws an overhand punch with it. So it's the same. It's the same concept of pulling the hips in, but, keep, but, but you know, getting the lower body pulled in uh, and, and the uh, and the upper body pushed away. So it's, it's uh, he's also he's, the other thing that's crazy about it. He's ambidextrous with that too. Uh, we've seen him do it on both sides, so that's going to be something that Yair's going to have to consider if he does plan on uh, increasing volume on the leg kicks. Um, you know, he's, he's Frankie's done that in almost all of his fights. You see him do that. You see him reaching down with one hand and up with the other uh, for that knee tap. Uh, and even if he doesn't complete the takedown with it, you just you see him do it all the time. Uh, but we saw him use it really well off leg kicks when he fought Jose Aldo. He did it to Charles Oliveira. Uh, you know, so that's something for Yair to consider if he's going to go that route. Um, he may want to consider focusing on inside leg kicks because I can't recall Frankie setting up that particular takedown from an inside leg kick, but I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. So <laughs> if, uh, if Frankie gets the decision, I think it's going to be uh, by cutting off the ring, uh, keeping the pressure on Yair, taking away his confidence in his kicks by catching a few. Uh, and if you can put Yair's back on the cage, I think, uh, I think he'll win the cage clinch battle. Uh, scoring some takedowns would also favor him well. Uh, but Yair's yeah, shown uh, that you know he has a, a pretty offensive guard, like we mentioned earlier. He's, he's not he's not uh, he's not a complete completely just a striker. He, he has some grappling, uh, and it's it's not bad grappling either. So, uh, so Frankie's gonna have to look out for that as well. Once again, couldn't agree more. And this is why we have Ryan Ford in the show, everybody. This is the kind of stuff that I, I love hearing because we're not just getting predictions: who's gonna win, who's gonna lose. This is a good fight. We're getting. He's gonna he's gonna stiff arm. He's gonna sweep. He's gonna cut in. He's gonna single leg. That's this is great, man. I appreciate all the insight. I appreciate it, man. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And speaking of great grappling, um, probably the best grappler in the entire UFC, definitely the best grappler in the welterweight division, in my opinion. We have Damian Maya versus Jorge Masvidal. I was so bummed out when this fight was originally announced for UFC Nashville and got moved to this show because I wanted to see this live so bad. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm not complaining though. The UFC Nashville show wound up being great. Uh, but Damian Maia versus Jorge Masvidal. This is a great, great matchup against two guys that are kind of both in the same exact spot as far as this division is concerned. But that being said, I have been on the Maya bandwagon for quite some time, especially since his move to welterweight, and I think he's been overlooked drastically for, for a title shot because my opinion, this is just my opinion, but my opinion is in, in the world of the UFC, when we do have, you know, everyone's an, an overall MMA fighter at this point if you're at that level, but you still have certain guys who are specialists, and the, the, the most beautiful, most pure thing about MMA to me is the idea that there's somebody out there like Damian Maya who has a style that nobody can figure out. And until somebody can figure it out, I think he deserves a shot at the championship. Because it's just, until you can prove to me that somebody out there can stop him from doing this, he's the best in my opinion. Because he's being effective and taking no damage in the process. Masvidal, on the other hand, is, is going out there and he's going out there to, to kill people. And I think that Masvidal... You know, I, I, I'm on record many times as, as choosing him to defeat Cowboy Cerrone. I was correct in that prediction, and I don't bring that up to toot my own horn. I bring it up to let you know I think Jorge Masvidal is at that level too, and he's a badass dude who probably deserves a title shot himself. I want to get your thoughts on this before I, I give a prediction, Ryan, because I know you, you have great insight, especially into the game plan and the mind of someone like Damian Maya. Uh, please let me know your thoughts on this matchup. Yeah, sure, sure, man. So I have to be completely transparent here. Uh, I'm actually moving to Brazil in two weeks, and I'll be training at Damien's Academy. Uh, so I'm incredibly biased in favor. Of <laughs> uh, he's my favorite fighter. I plan on becoming his student in about another month. So uh, I was I was there in 2012. Just fell in love with the academy. He's, you know, obviously, my, my like I said, my favorite fighter. So I plan on training under, under him. So I also feel that. Um, like you said, he, he has absolutely been overlooked. I think that, unfortunately, we're at a phase right now in MMA where the guys who seem to be able to sell tickets the best seem to be the guys that are getting the title shots. And, yeah. frankly, I think that sucks. Uh, I think that I think that it should be based on merit. I think it should be based on, uh, on who's winning matches, uh, or who's winning fights, rather. Uh, it should be uh, based on... Um, you know, ranking uh, the ranking. I feel like the ranking is almost meaningless at this point right now. Um, so anyway, I won't go on a whole tirade about that. But I do want to make it clear that you know, in case someone sees on Facebook or something, oh, Ryan's training at Damian Myers. So yeah, no wonder he was so biased. But anyway, uh, no, no, no. I just want to. I want to mention you know because I I talk about that subject often on this show because being kind of in the world of pro wrestling as well as MMA. My sweet spot is like uh, like how pride fighting used to be, but that was but and it, and it was it was still the best versus the best. You still got the best guys in the world, uh, you know, in the rankings whether they were on you know SureDog.com or MMA Weekly or wherever you're getting the rankings from. You saw your list of guys that you were like, 
Oh man, dude, we have, we're about to see Krokop versus Fedor. Are you kidding me? These guys are the two best in the world for sure. And they made it this big spectacle, and it was like a pro wrestling show, like the event and the spectacle of it, but the fights were legitimate. Or, you know, and we can talk all day about like whether or not those guys were, you know, who knows what they were putting into their bodies over there in Japan. Some of those those freak <laughs> athletes over there. But tell you. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, well, and see, like for people who don't know, Ryan recently um, interviewed Frank Mir, who I'm sure fought a lot of these guys I'm talking about right now. Um, so th- that being said, like, man, I-, I love that idea of like the sport entertainment side of, of the UFC, but it's gotten out of-, out of hand. Like even for someone like me, the fact that – and I heard they recently have scrapped this idea, but up until like today, the plan was George St. Pierre versus Michael Bisping for the middleweight title, a, a-, a belt that – a weight class that GSP has never fought in. Like, I understand going to welterweight, but even then, it's still kind of disrespectful to the guys like Damian Maya and Masvidal and these guys who have been winning fight after fight after fight after fight. And to your point, the rankings, in my opinion, are completely worthless. Like, they don't mean anything right now. And it's a big product of the new ownership. And there's, there's definitely a disconnect between the new owners and the fighters. And they don't have the same relationship as they did with the Fertitas. And there's a whole lot of stuff that goes into that. But that all being said, I just wanted to let you know, like, just so you didn't feel like you were sounding crazy. Like, I, I see exactly what you're saying with this becoming uh, – like, like in, in our perfect world, Damian Maya would have already had a title shot. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, when you mentioned Pride there, Pride, Pride was absolutely my favorite time in MMA. Uh, I still, like, sit here sometimes and just watch Pride DVDs and, you know, with a, with a thing of Kleenexes wiping my eyes, missing it. But uh, it's, it, it, you're right, though, the fights mattered. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the rankings mattered. Uh, the, I, I, I preferred the rules better. Uh, I think that I, I really like the way that they did the uh, the presentation. Like you mentioned, it was kind of like like pro wrestling style entrances. Uh, and yes, okay, everyone was being passed out roids and stuff. I know, but you know, and of course with the occasional freak fight, freak show fights, like you'd have a sumo guy against like a hundred and fifty five pounder. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, man, that's what I loved about it. That's what was so great about Pride, man. I miss Pride. But but, uh, but yeah, so where we're at right now, I, I just I, I wish that um, I wish that it was being treated more like uh, how it is in other sports, where man, look, you 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 get title shots based on your merit, based on what you've won, based on who you fought, based on you know uh, to where you're at in the rankings. I think that if you have a sport where there is a championship involved, which is pretty much every sport, and you don't have a clear line of okay, well you do this this and this to get there. Well, then, what are we doing? This is basically professional wrestling now, where you just want us to, and that's not an act of pro wrestling, but, you know, it's entertainment-based now. We're not talking about a sport here where there's where there's, where there's there's a clear, definitive path towards a title. Now it's, hey, can you talk a lot of shit on a microphone? Great, come on over. Uh, hey, right. buddy that's over there submitting everybody, sit off to the side for a minute, you're kind of boring. But that, that sucks. That, that's terrible. I hate it. You know, and Damien. One of one. The reason that I that I want to uh, to be a student of Damien Maya is not just because I feel he's the best jujitsu fighter of all time, um, but it's be, it's also because um, he's an incredibly good person. You know, he, he, he no, no matter what Damien won't he won't succumb to, to what to what other guys are doing, and that as well. I guess I have to kind of be a loudmouth to, to get attention. I guess I kind of have to to play ball here. He won't do it. So, you know, I, I, I just wish that things weren't the way that they seem to be moving, I guess, you know. 
Oh yeah, I I totally agree. Um, as far as this matchup goes, I know you, I know you're gonna be biased. I know you, everything you just said about Damian Maya. Um, I can't imagine you're picking against him. Uh, but how do you see this fight playing out? Yeah, I mean, no, with all that being said, uh, Masvidal is a great striker. He's a tough dude, and I really enjoy watching him fight. Uh, he said leading up to the fight that he feels he can outgrapple Damian. I think he's obviously trolling. He's obviously not going to try to grapple with Damian Maya. That would be a terrible game plan, just as it would be a bad game plan for Damian to try to have a striking war with him. Uh, he's going he's to work hard uh, to stay standing. He's, he's going to work hard to stay away from the cage where Damian has so much success taking guys down uh, and getting to their backs. Uh, this is what he's going to try to do, uh, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I, I think Damian's going to put him where he wants him to be and get the submission win. I, I'll even go as far to say that I think Damian might submit him in the first round. Um, I, I think a lot of people think that Masvidal's striking may win this one, but my rebuttal to that is that you have to look at the data. Uh, Damian's been knocked out once in his career. Nate Barkmore caught him uh, with a uh, when Damian attempted a, a particular striking technique that was just way out of character for him. Uh, and since then, he's stuck with his roots, which is jiu-jitsu combined with some of the best wrestling in MMA. And you know that, that's another thing about Damian's uh, game that a lot of people uh, talk about. A lot of people now are talking about it, but for a while they weren't. They were only referring to Damian's jiu-jitsu. But man, Damian's wrestling is amazing. You know, he trains. He spends a lot of time in New Jersey at, at uh, Elite Edge. Uh, training center, which is one of the, I mean, one of the cream of the crop of places to learn wrestling on the planet. Uh, he's there all the time, uh, and his wrestling is so good. It's so effective. And uh, so, so he'll, he'll bring the fight down to the ground using his wrestling, and he'll finish it with jujitsu. And because he's finishing with jujitsu, a lot, I think a lot of people think, like, oh, yeah, he's just a, a jujitsu guy. But Damien is a great example of a guy that's a very well rounded grappler. You know, he, he, it's, it's not just jujitsu. He's, he's obviously a phenomenal jujitsu black belt, you know, uh, champion in jujitsu. Uh, but he's, uh, he's also a really, really effective wrestler. Um, and his other five losses, besides, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the um, uh, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought here. The, uh, the other five losses he had have been by decision, and that includes when he fought Anderson Silva in his prime. So Anderson Silva wasn't able to knock Damian Maia out. Uh, he just went right through Carlos Condit recently, which before, which you know, just before that he submitted Matt Brown. Uh, Damian, I, I, Carlos Condit, I feel like was, was one of the major threats in that division as far as strikers go. Uh, and Damian, we saw what happened. He went right through him. So Damian's gone the distance with some very dangerous strikers. Uh, but there isn't anyone I feel that Masvidal has faced yet that's the same caliber of grappler that, that Damian is. Uh, plus, Damian's coming in bigger than Masvidal, and that's definitely going to be something to consider as well. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I agree with everything you said, and in his. And to kind of add to that, you know, I, I'm not one to do, well, you know, what they call MMA math. You know, what that, that whole, he beat him, so he'll beat him. And this guy did that to this guy, so he'll be able to do that to that guy. Like, but the I'm glad you brought up Carlos Condit because that was going to be kind of my whole uh, kind of uh, example as far as, like, Carlos Condit, in my opinion, once again, this is just my opinion, I think that he defeated Robbie Lawler in his previous fight, his fight previous to the Damian Maya match, where they went the distance and had that like amazing fifth round. I I had Condit winning on the scorecards. I don't argue like the, the Lawler win. Like if someone's like, I think Lawler won, I'm not gonna argue it. It was a super close fight. But I say this because Damian Maya then went in there with this same guy and did such quick work of him without having taken any damage and 
I just feel like, you know, I don't like doing the MMA math, but I just feel like if you can do that to Carlos Condit, who in my opinion is a more dangerous, diverse striker um, and a more dangerous threat to Damian Maya in general, I just don't think Maya is going to have a whole lot of problems with Masvidal unless Masvidal is able to land like a real clean shot on him early or something. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And then with the um, with the uh, with your opinion on the content Lawler fight, you're you're definitely you're definitely not alone. There's a lot of people that feel that way as well. Uh, and, and I'm also with you on the MMA math. I know I know my uh, my prediction there is definitely relying a little bit on MMA math, and I usually try not to do that either. But you, you summed it up perfectly, and that is that we're looking at someone who just did what he did to Carlos Condit, and and he did it with ease. And you have to you have to take that into consideration, man. You have to. You can't ignore uh, how effective Damien is, especially early in the fight, uh, once he gets a hold of you. And, uh, you know, obviously Masvidal's game plan will be without question to avoid the clinch, avoid the takedowns, and pepper Damien with strikes. Uh, and we all know where Damien's trying to take this thing. He's going he's gonna to look to get Masvidal up against the cage, uh, and he's going to look to uh, catch a single leg and bring it to the ground, where I don't feel that Masvidal will be able to recover from. Uh, where when you hit the ground with Damien, I don't care who you are, you're in trouble. Uh, it's not the place to be. And you'd have to be a really high-level grappler, I mean really high-level grappler, uh, to be able to survive down there. Guys like Jake Shields uh, were, were able to, to, to do it, but Jake Shields is a, is a phenomenal grappler. Um, so, you know, I'm not an oracle, uh, and, and with MMA, despite how closely you analyze and run the numbers and do the math, it's, it's a sport that can be so unpredictable, but I definitely have to go with my gut uh, with the stats that, uh, that Damien is, is going to get the win on this one. Uh, also, I want to make sure that I can get promoted underneath it, so I can't knock Damien. There you go. There you go. In- I don't want to get the one at the top of the brother. Oh, man. If you go, like... Damien, like, he's really the only one doing what he does to people. The only person I can even, like, think is, like, kind of comparable is, you know, maybe someone like Khabib Nurmagomedov who who uses grappling super effectively and, and finishes people on the ground in, in a different way than Damien does. Uh, but due to Khabib's inactivity, you know, he just kind of... He's always going to be kind of out of the out of the picture for a lot of big stuff. But if he could... If someone like uh, Nurmagomedov could put on, like, some some bulk. I I mean I'd love to see maybe a matchup between him and Maya sometime down the line. Just just pure grappling. Like they could even they could even agree before the fight. Like there's, we're not gonna throw any punches. Just straight grappling in there. I would because I would I would love to see just the two of them go at it. Oh, that would be amazing, dude. I love Khabib, man. I'm a huge fan of his. It's unfortunate that. Uh... I think what's holding could be back the most is just the way he's training, man. They got that old school Russian Russian style training. Where they just they, they train like they're fighting. It's kind of like what the shoot box guys used to do yep. uh, down in Brazil. And uh, I feel like that man, if he would if he would train a little bit more with the mentality that a lot of guys are taking on now, like for example, uh, 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 Cowboy Cerrone, he, he's not doing any real live heavy sparring anymore, like at all. And, and and he's showing up looking pretty pretty good. You know, I mean, he lost his last fight, but. You know, he's, 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 that's kind of the new wave now. Guys are realizing uh, more intelligent ways to prepare for fights, you know. And uh, apparently in Russia, they didn't get the memo. <laughs> you know, Russians are tough, man. That's just kind of what they do, you know. You have to, you have to, you have to admire that about them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, any kind of, any kind of grappling type thing between, uh, between Damien and Khabib would be amazing. That'd, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and I'm going to go out on a limb and, uh, and say that the safest way to, to train to fight probably isn't to actually, like, wrestle actual bears like Khabib does. Like, so. <laughs> well, I know it has a muzzle and everything, and I know that they were uh, relatively in the same size as far as 
Howard's height. I have to think it must have been a little heavier than him. But, uh, but yeah, that was that was certainly interesting. That, that, that delivers a different kind of uh, a different kind of <laughs> approach to grammar. For sure. Oh man, oh so funny. All right, well, man, man, moving on. Uh, up next, we got the uh, the co-main event of the evening. We had a women's strawweight matchup uh, for the championship. Ioanni Jacek versus Jessica Andrade. This is a damn good matchup. Ioanna uh, is on a hell of a run. Has brought some serious uh, legitimacy to the women's strawweight division since its inception. Uh, you know, the first champion being Carla Esparza uh, lost the title quickly to Ioanni Jacek, and Jacek has just taken it and run with it. Andrade, though, is a is a very dangerous opponent. I think this is a great matchup. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on this one, man? I could, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, man. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, Andrade is, a, is an aggressive, hard-hitting, relentless fighter. Uh, I think she's going to make the champ work to maintain distance. Uh, she's going to make her work in a lot of areas, maintaining distance, uh, changing angles to avoid the clinch. You know, avoiding the clinch. Uh, Andrade showed great success smothering girls against the cage and just pouring combinations all over them. Uh, and then also, she's really good at cutting off the angles uh, that they need to escape that particular position with their back against the cage. I'm thinking that Yolanda's going to have to kind of be, uh, she's going to just not to use like an old stereotypical metaphor, but she's going to have to be like the matador dealing with the bull in this fight. She's going to need to manage the patterns uh, that the bull's moving in, intelligently pick her shots and flurries by changing angles and maintaining that distance, I think, is going to be real important uh, for, for Yolanda uh, and avoiding, and avoiding uh, getting taken down, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and as far as like, I guess a prediction would go for me, I'm just. I'm kind of at a point right now where I I just don't know if I could pick against Yon Jacek really against anybody right now. Just the way that she, she just she, I I don't even know what the word is. It's like, and she just it's like scary. I guess would be the best word. She's just scary. Like she goes out there and beats women up, and even like the ones that have like close fights with her, like Claudia Gadelia, for instance. Like she's still beating them up even even if it's a close fight i mean just you're going in there and you're you're gonna you're gonna have a war against yanni and jacek win or lose and andrage is a very formidable contender i i think that her being the challenger this is this is the right matchup um and the winner is going to be fighting rosanami Yunus. it sounds like so this division is just going to keep rolling and, and rolling so um, I'm really looking forward to this. My prediction, uh, just officially, is going to be Joanna. I think that Joanna is going to stop her, maybe in like the fourth or fifth round. Uh, just kind of just just wear her down round by round by round, and then really turn up the heat. Uh, and I just don't think Andrade is going to be able to keep up with it. But uh, that being said, I think it's going to be a great fight. Uh, do you have an official prediction for this one? Yeah, well, I, def- I definitely agree with you, man. Uh, you know, I, I kind of see Joanna ending up like a mighty mouse where she's just going to be around for a long time and, uh, and it's going to be very hard to, to throw people at her and find people that are going to be able to, uh, to, to bring her off her throne uh, you know another thing that, that, that Gianna's going to have to uh, that, has going for, that she has going for her in this is that she's incredibly effective with her tie clinch and that's something I meant to mention earlier when we were talking about uh, you know managing uh, distance and, and, and using uh, and, you know avoiding the uh, takedowns she has a really effective tie clinch obviously she was a tie fighter before she became an MMA fighter uh, if she does end up in a clinching situation and Draj is going to need to be really careful not to let Yolanda uh, pummel her way to the tie clinch because uh, that could be a serious problem. Uh, another interesting thing, uh, another thing that's going to be interesting to see is whether or not Draj is going to be able to take her down at all because Yolanda has really effective takedown defense. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if that's even going to be something that Draj can get close to doing. Personally speaking, I'm going to have to side with you on this one. I, I, 
Toronto's going to be around for a long time. Uh, I see her being kind of the mighty mouse of, of, of the women's divisions. Uh, I don't think she's going anywhere. Yeah, I, I completely agree, man. Um, I, I, I'm right there with you. Like, I think it's very possible five years from now we're having the same exact conversation again. Yeah. And yeah so, um, yeah, good for her. And they're making more women's divisions, it sounds like, during the process, the UFC, of expanding that to some more weight classes. And maybe that'll give uh, Ioana some more options, too, to maybe mix it up uh, here and there with some other people at some other weights. But uh, regardless, um, you know, had you asked me 10 years ago if I'd be interested in watching 115-pound women fight each other, I would have said no way. Um, and now they're one of the most uh, exciting divisions in the whole company. So uh, good for them. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I'm with you on that 100%. You know, another thing that's great, not to change topics or anything like that, but uh, women's jiu-jitsu, man. If you, when you start getting into uh, to watching jiu-jitsu, you mentioned you're going to get uh, on flow grappling and watch, some, uh, watch, some, you know, watch Joey's match, for example, and you're going to start watching some jiu-jitsu stuff. Bro, watch some of these jiu-jitsu, these women's jiu-jitsu matches. It's unbelievable. Yeah, there's, there's in combat sports, uh, women are absolutely where it's at. So uh, I agree with you 100%, man. Yeah. Very cool, very cool. I'll definitely keep my eye on it for sure. Um, and that brings us into the main event of the evening. We've got a heavyweight championship matchup. It's a rematch. Stipe Miocek versus Gina Dos Santos. Man, this is one that I've been flip-flopping on a lot as far as like kind of where more of my predictions... I can't even say where my predictions are going. Like this, this fight, like this was one of the best heavyweight matchups I remember seeing, at least in recent memory. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that they're, they're making it again. One thing that's really interesting to me, I was looking over Dos Santos's record, and I was like, I, I feel like he hadn't really been winning a lot lately. Like, I knew he had some big losses, especially the knockout to Overeem. But I was thinking, I was like, who did, when's the last time he won before Rothwell? And it was his win against Stipe. So, so I, while, while I put that all kind of in my mind, I'm sitting here thinking, well, Dos Santos beat him the first time. Um, both guys have gotten better since. Uh, Dos Santos looked great against Rothwell, and I was leaning Dos Santos, and then I started thinking more and more about it, and I was like, I'm going to take a look at Stipe's record because he's been putting together wins for a while now. And then you see, you know, knocks out Mark Hunt, knocks out Andre Arlovsky, knocks out Fabrizio Verdum, knocks out Alistair Overeem. His last loss, Gino Dos Santos. So... I, I mean, this is this is a, a toss-up for me. I think this is just a great matchup. Uh, I didn't. I don't really know what else you would have done as far as like heavyweight contenders go. And heavyweight's like the oddest uh, weight class for this because you always kind of have the usual suspects in there, uh, the guys who have been towards the top. And it usually usually only takes like one or two big wins in this weight class to get a title shot if you beat the right people at the right time. Uh, so I like this matchup. I've got nothing against it. Um, but it is cool seeing some young up-and-comers like Derek Lewis and uh, Francis Ngannou, for instance, that have been rising through the ranks. Um, as far as this fight goes, though, I, I am leaning now more towards Stipe uh, because of how active he's been and the wins he's been putting together. But I think this is a damn even matchup. Um, Ryan, uh, give me your thoughts on this one, man. Yeah, the, uh, the first fight was incredible, man, and I, I really uh, expect nothing less for the rematch. I, I really like both these guys a lot, so I don't really like have a favorite or anything. Uh, always with heavyweights, uh, you can end in the first for either guy. Uh, but I hope we get to see another five-round war because it's always great to see an, uh, an epic five-round battle, especially with the heavyweights. Uh, in the last fight, it seemed to be the cardio that turned the tides for Dos Santos' favor. Uh, Stipe started to fade a little bit as the fight went on. His, foot, his footwork was dragging a tad. And uh, 
Los Santos was able to close out uh, with a decision win. Uh, but in Stipe's following fight with Mark Hunt, that didn't seem to be an issue at all. He dominated Hunt for four rounds, uh, scored the TKO victory in the uh, early fifth. Uh, so that's obviously an adjustment that he's made since then. Um, the only thing that's interesting that, that's going to be something to pay attention to is that in the following three fights since the Mark Hunt fight, uh, all of his wins were via knockout in the first round, like early in the first round, too. So it doesn't really give us a ton of data on how well his gas tank has improved. Uh, but you have to assume that he's whatever he did after the uh, after the, the thing. Going into the uh, Mark Hunt fight is probably going to be the formula that he's going to stick with anyway. Um, now, Dos Santos has a long style of striking. Uh, he likes to his range to punish guys, while Stipe likes to work in. Uh, so stylistically, this fight I don't think is going to be any different than the first one. Uh, although Stipe did show some indication that he's been working on his grappling uh, when he fought Mark Hunt. He was initializing takedowns early, which is cool to see. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see if he plans on surprising JDS with some grappling. Uh, not that I think it necessarily is going to be a problem for JDS, but it could be a way for Stipe to uh, to keep him on his toes. You know. Yeah, that's something I actually had in mind as well. Was you know I I think that we're going to get majority of just straight stand-up, like a really good kickboxing matchup between the two. But I think if, if Joe Santos uh, catches Miocic the right way a few times, I could see Miocic definitely turning to the to the grappling game a little bit because I do think he has an advantage there. Even if it's just a slight one, I think Miocic, uh, at least in my opinion, seems like the better wrestler of the two. So, uh, you know, you never, you never know what's going to happen with these heavyweights. It could be over in 10 seconds. It could be a five-round war again. Um, I don't know, but that's why we got to tune in to UFC 211 on Saturday night. And and what's what's really uh, it's uh, it's just coincidental. But being in both of these worlds of <clears throat> of pro wrestling and MMA, Saturday night, what what my Saturday night looks like is going to the Nashville Fairgrounds up here in Nashville, Tennessee, interviewing some pro wrestlers at a at a local show called Freedom Freedom Pro Wrestling watching them do their thing live at the Nashville Fairgrounds, watching the first fight or two of the UFC 211 from the crowd off of my phone, and then jumping in my car for the rest of the pay-per-view when I get back here. So a lot of pro wrestling going on, a lot of MMA going on, a lot of great stuff. Um, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on today, man. Uh, please tell the people the best ways they can uh, find you and keep up with you. Like I said, I'm really happy to see that your podcast has taken off. And, uh, yeah, if you guys want to follow me, uh, grapplingcentral.com is, is my main website. Uh, the Grappling Central podcast is on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean. Uh, if you have Android Podcast Republic, uh, we're also on YouTube. Uh, um, so there's a lot of different ways you can follow us on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com slash grappling central. Instagram is grappling underscore central. Uh, and I think on Twitter we're the GC podcast. And uh, basically, if you haven't heard my show, I just it's a one-on-one interview, kind of like this, where I sit down with uh, big names in grappling uh, and just talk about their life stories and insights on if on uh, you know their uh, their technique and their uh, training methods and things like that. So uh, so yeah, give us a listen and uh, subscribe if you don't mind. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you having me on again, buddy. Thank you. Oh well, thank you, Ryan. Once again, uh, it means a lot, and we'll definitely be in touch. Thank thank you, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a great night, man. Thanks. You too. All right, everybody, and that was Ryan Ford of the Grappling Central podcast. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. Uh, thanks once again to Ryan. And you just heard that Skype call ending. Uh, man, great episode. 
please follow me on Twitter at FightTalk underscore. That's at F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. You can find me on Facebook. I have a group there as well at Fight Talk Podcast. And I believe when we relaunch the new Instagram, that's what the handle on there will be too. I think it will be at Fight Talk Podcast. I'll keep you guys in the loop for that. That will be launching soon. Please follow on Podomatic and subscribe on iTunes. If you're subscribed on iTunes, please take just a second to rate and comment on the podcast. It helps the podcast out a lot. It really does. I know I say it all the time, but it is the truth. You can buy my merchandise at whatamaneuver.net. So if you need a new tank top, this is the best time of year for that. I see people have been buying some of those, so that's much appreciated. Whatamaneuver.net. Got tank tops, got hoodies, got t-shirts, got stuff for all age groups, all sizes. If there's something you don't see on the website that you would like, just let me know personally and I'll make it happen. I can mail you things out directly as well and I can also get you in touch with the right people. So just let me know what you're looking for and I'll make it happen as far as anything you think of merchandise-wise for the Fight Talk podcast. Special thanks to WrestleRumble.com. I didn't get a chance to talk about them at the beginning of this show. Packed show. Matt, the guys at WrestleRumble.com are awesome. You know I love you, and I'll definitely be ramping up the WrestleRumble.com talk the closer we get to the next big WWE show. But in the meantime, make sure you check them out at WrestleRumble.com. Special thanks to Heroes and Legends. Looking forward to seeing you guys this Saturday in Nashville, Tennessee at Freedom Pro Wrestling in the Nashville Fairgrounds. That's May the 13th, if you're hearing this beforehand. Special thanks to Brian Jensen at Delgado Boxing. And special thanks to the newest sponsor of the Fight Talk podcast. You heard Sawyer Williamson at the beginning of the show. So special thanks to Williamson Brothers Barbecue. And also special thanks to Jonathan Bodie who provided me this little tune for the beginning and the ending of my show. So you'll hear the classic Tommy Toll ending right here. And then you'll hear Mr. Jonathan Bodie. Thank you guys very much for listening and I will be back soon.